crushing skills up to scratch? Or am I just asking a stupid question to wake you all up? This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a drizzly England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your muesli? Please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Yes, indeed, it is crush a can day. How to be environmentally friendly and to address your anger management issues without having to go to a therapist all in one can crushing frenzy. You are encouraged today to take up the art of crushing aluminium cans after you have had a nice drink. You can crush them with your bare hands. You can crush them with a special machine and then take them to the recycling centre to be recycled and turned into yet more aluminium cans to hold fizzy drinks and then be crushed. Apparently, you need to know something about cans, that they are used to store and transport goods, usually drinks, in most grocery markets. You can see two types of food cans, tin cans, and aluminium cans. Uh, there we go. Uh, many places call them tin cans wherever you wish to buy them. I didn't know that. I don't think I'd ever call a drink a tin can. So to celebrate this uh, dubious day, start collecting cans. It says start collecting cans in anticipation of the day. Why would you put that information on the day itself? There we are. Well, I'm sure you've got plenty. You can just call in some favours, call in some friends. Give us your aluminium cans to crush and hold a can crushing party. Think of the people you most dislike in this world, if that's not a sin, and crush a few cans in your bare hands and it'll stop all sorts of fights breaking out. In fact, I think this might be part of a diplomacy mission as well. Think of all the gang fights that won't happen on Crusher Can Day because everybody's so busy crushing aluminium cans. There we go. You can even use crushed cans to decorate your house. I really wouldn't. Um, but it also says be very careful. If you're not sure what you're doing, then let the experts do it. But no that recycling one can can save enough energy to run a television for three hours. So you are doing something good. You are doing something really important. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced about this, but, you know, I don't imagine there's any harm that can come from crushing a few cans and taking them to the recycling centre. In fact, I think recycling centres are a great idea. We have one at our leisure centre. Um, I'd be interested to know, do any of you visit your recycling centre often? Do you even know where your local recycling centre is? Dare I ask? Um, we have one at our leisure centre. Unfortunately, it does attract rats. But then any kind of refuse centre does that. But on the subject of you know crushing cans, and um, the reason I asked if I was asking a stupid question is tomorrow is Ask a Stupid Question Day, otherwise known as Politicians Day. I mean, who needs to be told to ask a stupid question? Ask our pol politicians, ask our parliamentarians. 
When was the last time you asked an intelligent question? On the grounds that we are surrounded by people who are you know, running our country, who don't know what they're doing, somebody sent me a prayer. And I would like to share this prayer. I think this is the prayer to say after you've crushed your aluminium cans today. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change. The courage to change direction when I see them coming. And the wisdom to not try and smack some sense into them when I can't avoid them. Amen. There we are. Denny, <laughs> Denny says, love how you pronounce aluminium. It's not aluminium, it's aluminium. Yes. Funnily enough, the honest trailers, uh, Sherlock, drew particular attention to the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch says aluminium. There is actually, a, there is a... There is, in fact, an eye that, that, that seems to have disappeared across the pond. That's why it's aluminium that we are. Anyway, yes, aluminium. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in with um, thanks awfully and uh, across the pond and all the other expressions. Mike, are you there? Aluminium candy. Yes. Anyway, I, I'm trying really hard to keep things upbeat, but I don't know about you. I am so shocked and saddened by the story coming out of Iraq today. Um, and I, I just, in all seriousness, I, I need to ask, could we please pray for the people of Iraq today? Because there's been a terrible tragedy. I'm sure you've all heard about it in the news. A fire broke out at a wedding in a part of Iraq that is predominantly Christian. It's an area that has been through so much suffering. So, I mean, the whole, the whole country's been through so much suffering, but this particular region has really suffered. And uh, they think the fire was started when fireworks were set off. There were a lot of very highly flammable panels around the venue. I'm guessing these big cloth panels I think that's what they probably meant. Um, but the fire started almost, it, it, it got out of control almost immediately. At the moment, over 100 people are known to be dead, are confirmed dead, but they think it could be up to 450. It was a packed venue and the fire just roared through the venue. It was very difficult for people to get out. Survivors um, of which there are many who are burnt, who have smoke inhalation, have spoken about how difficult it was to get out and how people were just struck down. Uh, the news has also come through that the bride and groom were among the dead. Uh, this is a really, really terrible tragedy at a time which should have been a time of great celebration. Um, but the the country, you know, it's just been through so much after years of sanctions, economic sanctions that starved the country, then wars, and then the terror wrought by ISIS, which goes above and beyond everything else. This just is one more tragedy. And unfortunately, because of the, the state the country is in at the moment, these tragedies happen all too often, particularly fires, because there is a lack of infrastructure um, the country is struggling to rebuild after everything that's happened. Hospitals are saying they just do not have the equipment and the drugs to treat the survivors, to treat the bones victims particularly. It was very difficult, even though there is a fire service, it was very difficult to get people out. So 
please I my, my heart goes out to this community I just think it's such a terrible tragedy when when they should have been you know it should have been the most joyful day in the lives of so many people so please please pray for Iraq and if you are interested in what's happening in Iraq um particularly what's happening to Christians in that part of the world, do get in touch with Aid to the Church in Need. Uh, they have a website. It's very informative. There's, there's a lot. There's a, huge, um, there's a huge data resource there that you can read all about what's happening. They've got a lot of people working on the ground. Um, this might be the day to give a little donation to Aid to the Church in Need because I think that the community have, have just been through so much. They, they were saying, one of the survivors was saying, even those who've come out of this are broken, just completely broken. Um, and Maggie has put in the chat room the headline, devastating moment, huge fire breaks out during the first dance at Iraqi wedding. Bride and groom feared to be among at least 100 dead after Inferno, Inferno started by fireworks engulfed hall filled with 900 guests. Um, it has, has since been confirmed that the bride and groom perished. Fireworks do get set off at these events. And when I was in the Middle East, I remember people setting off firecrackers and it, it is dangerous. And it's it's just it doesn't bear thinking about a lot of the dead are young as well. Um, it's, it's just terrible. Just please commend the dead to God and pray for that community. It's all that can be done at this point. But I do feel if you do want to do something material, then. Aid to the Church in Need is the place to go, okay? ACN, very easy to find. I'll, I'll, during the ad break, I will put a link to ACN in the chat room, okay? So you can just access it. Um, but I was very, very distressed reading this. And uh, I'd almost um, I'd almost advise not reading the details. Um, the, the pictures are really horrific. I got rather assaulted by it first thing this morning. So... That is today's today's dreadful news. It is 20 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we are talking about National Cat... Crusher... Crusher Crush. Um, Crusher Can Day. Aluminium Can Day. Uh, where you can be both um, a little bit aggressive harmlessly aggressive and environmentally friendly all at the same time in fact you might want to think about environmentalists as you're crushing the cans therefore you know you get to be environmentally friendly whilst dealing with your angst about the environmental movement it depends a little bit on your politics i suppose but do consider crushing a few cans for the sake of the planet recycling genuinely does save a lot of energy i think this is one of the non-controversial areas of the environmental movement we can probably all be in agreement that recycling is in general a good idea if it's done properly and we've been recycling aluminium cans in this country for decades i remember um the special little machine that they they installed on the wall at school so you could crush cans and the thing is i think people were actually buying cans of drinks so that they could crush them so that might have defeated the point but it's a, it's a good initiative it's a really good initiative but tomorrow it is ask a stupid question day um i think politicians don't need any help with that you know could we could we maybe reverse engineer it perhaps ask them to you know, have a serious, sensible discussion for once. Um, but if you wish to ask a stupid question, tomorrow is the day to do it. And if you do accidentally ask a stupid question, well, then you can just say you were celebrating the day and it's no reflection on your character at all.
But in all seriousness, there has been a terrible fire in Iraq that broke out at a wedding. There were 900 guests in the venue, um, at least 100 confirmed dead, including the bride and groom. And it's feared that the number could get as high as 400, 450. Uh, there are many more injured and the country simply does not have the infrastructure to deal with a crisis like this. We very much take for granted that if there is an emergency, you know, you can call, you can dial 999, as it is over here, 911 in the States, that help will come, that people will be taken to well-equipped hospitals. In, in many parts of the world, it just is not like that. Um, it's it's very, very distressing. Um, I cannot let this day go by, however without drawing attention to the fact that on this day, in 1899, on this day, C.S. Forrester was born. Answers in the chat room if you know who C.S. Forrester is, was, and why I think this is worth remembering. C.S. Forrester. Um... Dr. Torres is telling me it's National Corned Beef Hash Day. What's your favourite canned brand of brand of corned beef? It ri there's a National Corned Beef Hash Day. Okay, listen, it's National Chocolate Milk Day. I think it is infinitely more appropriate. Corned beef. I don't know what it is about corned beef. Um, I do use it. I, I don't eat it raw, as it were. It just it looks. It looks icky somehow. Um, I do, however, cut it into cubes and put it into pasta sauces. It's actually a very good way of getting uh, red meat. But somehow, I don't know, It just I associate it with the Second World War. It's one of those things like spam that just, it reeks of a time of austerity. Little bits of t uh, tinned meat, uh, uh, processed meat. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being... Uh, unfair, but I think probably my least favourite food as a child was corned beef sandwiches. I'm sorry, that just should not be allowed to happen. They were horrible, horrible texture and really salty. But National Chocolate Milk Day, I would celebrate National Chocolate Milk Day. I think that's a really good idea. Chocolate milk. Do we have a favourite brand of chocolate milk? My children are very fond of Yazoo. Um... I quite like fridge, though it's very, very thick and very sweet. Um, oh, here you go. Dr. Torres likes Libby's corned beef hash. Okay. Libby's corned beef hash. And is this a photograph of Libby's corned beef hash? Okay. I don't know. I'm not sure I could eat it like that. Um, Maggie's saying really like corned beef hash, especially with scrambled eggs. Mm, when you make your corned beef hash, what do you hash it with? Um, if it's with a lot of potato, I could probably cope with it. But other than that, I, I don't know. It, it looks... Okay, sorry, it looks like dog food. Am I allowed to say that? Okay, that's what I think. Uh, there we are. Um, Dr. Torres, love chocolate milk with corned beef, hash and eggs. You're asking for diabetes or a heart attack, my friend. Um, all that salt and sugar and fat. Um, Jacqueline, ca ca canned corned beef. Sorry, I'm having one of those mornings. So canned corned beef is a lot better than spam. Okay, I'm not sure I've even ever eaten spam. It's just one of those things that, you know, you just spam, you think sort of poor little evacuees being um, being sent off to the countryside with their little tin of spam um, and a gas mask 
Okay, I, I think I can probably live without testing spam. Uh, but corned beef, no, corned beef is fine, just in the right context. It has to be in the right context, and uh, preferably in disguise. There we are. Um, as to National Scarf Day, well, I think that's a very stylish national day, don't you think? Do you wear scarves? I, I wear scarves. I, I like that. somehow throwing a scarf around your neck. Just, I mean, a sort of silk scarf. I don't mean a woolly scarf. Throwing a nice silk scarf round your neck, it just. It, it adds it adds a little bit of finesse to an otherwise boring outfit, I find. But National Day of Forgiveness, gosh. National Day of Forgiveness is a really, really good idea. Who would you forgive? Okay. Now we're, we're moving from food into the more soulful phase of the program. Don't worry, there's only like six minutes to go before the ad break so i won't torment you too much with this but if it's national day of forgiveness who would you forgive think of a person a group and a country you would like to forgive a person a group and a country you would like to forgive okay have a think about that and answers in the chat room. Or you could even give me a ring if you like at 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. Someone must want to phone me. I mean, Jacqueline, you could give me a call while you're milking the goats. I wouldn't mind. Denise, I'm saying Jacob drinks nearly half a gallon of chocolate milk a day. Used to be Mayfield whole milk chocolate, but we've managed to switch him to generic 1% lately. I think I drank a lot of chocolate milk growing up. Um, used to get little little boxes of powder. There was chocolate and raspberry, which I rather liked. Raspberry was a bit more had a bit more of a kick, um, and was very very pink. Um, those were really good. You just added it to milk, and it was wonderful because I hated drinking milk. So my parents could feel, oh look, there we are. She's she's getting her pint of milk a day, and um, I could just enjoy the flavour. Dr. Torres, what is that? Are those spam fritters? Spam fritters with egg. They, those don't look so bad, okay? They, they don't look so... When they're cooked, they don't look quite so... So, like, they've just been removed from a corpse or something. Okay. Jacqueline, it's also better than Vienna sausages. Now, fresh corned beef is amazing. Can you get fresh corned beef? I thought it always comes in a tin. Or am I thinking of something else? Um... Jacqueline, I personally love canned salmon. The little bones are so good. Do you actually eat the bones? Um, do you know I'm I'm okay. You're you're coming coming out with all my insecurities this morning. But one of the things I don't like about canned salmon or tinned salmon, as we call it, um, is the little bones. And, and open the tin. There's little, there's little vertebrae. It just I don't know. It just feels like a it feels like a an insult to the fishy somehow. The whole thing feels like an insert, insult. The king dudes think that looks like a fried treat. How is that a treat? I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm even more spooked by the idea that you could eat the bones. I mean, I, I can't even bear looking at them. That's why I tend to prefer tuna chunks, because they, they don't even really look like a fish by the time they get processed like that. But I'm probably just being a very squeamish urbanite who's never been taken fishing before. Sorry, I thought treat meant like treat, as in... I thought you just couldn't spell, King Dude. Sorry. 
That looks like a fried treat. Treat is a brand name of a ham product. Okay, right. So you can spell. Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know when, it, when Americans write. Sorry, I don't know if you just can't spell or you're spelling it your way. It's very confusing. There we are. Treat. Okay. Um, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Torres um, is saying one can buy corned beef roast and cook it in the crock pot or in water. It's a great dish with cabbage and I don't like cabbage. Carrots and potatoes and a side of mustard. Okay, I might dispense with the ca cabbage, but um, the king dude is informing me. I ain't no dummy, ma'am. Eyes can spell. Okay, I apologise. I shall get off my high horse immediately. There we are. And just keep talking about aluminium cans and things like that. Okay. I think there is general agreement about chocolate milk. It is a good thing. But nobody is talking to me about forgiveness. Or maybe we've given up on forgiveness. I don't know. Surely not. Um, Maggie saying, my father still drinks a glass of chocolate milk with breakfast and he is 67. I think that's great. Why should, why should chocolate milk be reserved for children? I think it's wonderful. It took me a long time to understand the difference between chocolate milk, say, and a milkshake, because I always used to call that a milkshake, but I think a milkshake is something thicker. Right. Um, okay, we've got the first forgiveness coming in. Here we go. I'm really confused by this. I forgive the Rodhams for making Hillary. Sorry, can someone tell me what Hillary's maiden name was, just to clear up something for me? Okay. Anyone else have something they wish to forgive? I am I am doing a little battle at the moment. Oh, Hil okay, Rod okay, Hillary Rodham Clinton. So right, so her parents were the Rodhams. I don't think you can hold them responsible. I mean, they didn't know, did they, when they were having a romantic night in that they produced Hillary? Um, Dr. Torres, this is corned beef. Oh, this is this is the corned beef uh, roasty thing. With the cabbage and the carrots. I can see carrots. I cannot, fortunately. A fresh corned beef. That is fresh corned beef. Okay, I've only ever seen corned beef in a tin. There we go. Right. I'm, I'm learning. This is, this is a weird foodie world I'm falling into. I had no idea corned beef could be such a topic of conversation. But there we go. I am proved wrong as usual. Anyway, we have to go to an ad break now um, on the subject of corned beef. Let's move the conversation on to forgiveness, shall we? I'm curious to know who and what people feel the need to forgive. Or maybe I'm just being nosy. In which case, you may tell me to mind my own business if you prefer. Um, Denny something. you probably thought chocolate milk was a milkshake because you had to add powder to milk and shake it. Um, yes, probably. I think that's, 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 a fairly, that's a fairly good deduction, actually. I think that's my idea of a milkshake. Also, I think really when I was a child, milkshakes, as I now understand them, didn't really exist in the same way in this country. Dr. Torres, I forgive Fiorella Files for hating everything delicious. I forgive Malta and England for producing her. That is very magnanimous of you, Dr. Torres. What is your country of origin? Beyond where, where did where did your where did your ancestors come from? Um, so I can put them on my forgive list. Uh, you are listening to the early show. We've got to go to an ad break on that happy note. It's good to know that I'm forgiven by someone. Anyway, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join this scintillating conversation about corned beef here on the Crusade Channel 
Life Talk Radio the way it should be. Insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. For those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy a hearty breakfast of corned beef hash because it is corned beef day corned beef hash day and in the tradition of the early show it seems that food is the topic of controversy that and the correct pronunciation of aluminium um i take it that song was a can of corned beef singing to me was it I am reading and learning a lot about corned beef and I have just not been able to resist looking up the origins of corned beef just to take this conversation a step further, you know. Um, Philip is saying, why doesn't Fiorella Files like corned beef? Isn't it a product of Cornwall, just like the game hens? A Jeffy Man also corned beef, yum. Um Maggie, the King Dude makes great corned beef. Sorry, King Dude is saying, the song was sorry seems to be the hardest word to say. I never got that far. I was just thinking, you know, is this is this a, a, a plaintive cry from a tin of corned beef for my affections or something? Okay, sorry, I get the point. I now find myself bracing when, when the, the intro music for the second segment starts thinking, what's the King Dude doing this time? What message is he putting about this time? Um, that's not such a bad song. There we are. That's the closest to a compliment you're going to get from me this morning. Corned beef. Uh, in honour of National Corned Beef Hash Day, I said I like corned beef if it's in something, if it's in a sauce or something. I don't like it on its own. Um, it's a corned beef or salt beef, as it's sometimes as one kind of it is caused, or bully beef, as it's known in the army. Um, it's a salt-cured brisket of beef. The term comes from the treatment of the meat with large grained rock salt called corns of salt. I always wondered where the corn came from. Okay. It's uh, an ingredient in many cuisines. I had no idea this was so old. I thought this was a wartime thing. Not only really old, but that it has spread all over the world, that people eat corned beef everywhere. Um, It's popular worldwide. It's an ingredient in a variety of regional dishes and is still a staple of field rations for the armed forces around the world. Um, 
No one knows the exact origin, uh, but it most likely began when people started preserving meat through salt curing. There is evidence that corned beef emerged um, in numerous cultures. Uh, in Old English, the word is used uh, corn um, means grain, as in grains of. Um, so this seems to be a huge, uh, a huge thing in England. It then got exported everywhere during the Industrial Revolution. Corned beef was tinned and traded extensively from the 17th century to the mid-19th century for consumption and as provisions for British naval fleets and North American armies. Uh, it was also traded with the French, who used it in the Caribbean. Hence why it is now popular in the Caribbean. Um, this is uh, really, really interesting. Okay, corned beef has a veritable heritage. Um, it also was produced in Ireland um, as part of the Atlantic trade um, and is commonly eaten on St. Patrick's Day. There we go. So this is a big deal. And yes, it does have a very strong wartime association because it was because it's non-perishable. It could be carried around in um, in ration packs, in in army knapsacks. So they were very commonly given to soldiers. But it was also eaten a great deal in Britain because it is non-perishable. It could be stored for a, a long period of time. Meat was in very short supply during the war in Britain. Um, it was very heavily rationed, hence. Hence the um, obsession with corned beef and its sort of association with the war. Um, now I'm just looking. Yes, funnily enough, I mean I'm now seeing corned beef. It's just a it's just a way of treating beef. But for me, corned beef is something you get out of a tin. I've never seen it in any other kind of manifestation. So I'm finding this very interesting, Maggie. Thank you for this picture. It does look delicious, really delicious. And Jacqueline had in fact just downloaded exactly the same image. It's really good. And I have been forgiven for disliking things that everyone else seems to like. Um, but Dr. Torres, did you take that comment down? Surely not. Um, uh, Jacqueline's saying, I was thinking my phone was ahead of me and knew what I was going to do. That's a good image of corned beef. OK, there we are. I take it back. Corned beef is a great, it's a great plate. There we go. It is also, if you missed the first segment, it is also National Crush a Can Day, where you can be both environmentally friendly and a little bit aggressive. National Chocolate Milk Day, which I think is the sort of day we should all celebrate. National Scarf Day. Am I the only person who's very fond of a good scarf? Who likes to, you know, just drape a scarf about my neck to try and pretend to be elegant for a bit? Uh, anyone else admit to wearing a scarf? Or are you a woolly scarf person who who just feels very safe and is reminded of childhood when you wrap a nice woolen scarf around your neck in winter maybe that's the sort of scarf day you would like to celebrate it is uh, also um national forgiveness day a day of forgiveness every day should be a day of forgiveness but i was asking who would you like to forgive is there a person a group even a country you feel you need to forgive any little any little negativity, any little resentments somewhere that you just need to address. It's the day to address that. 
and say, I forgive. Now have some corned beef hash and a glass of chocolate milk and let's talk. Um, Cajun Catholic. Uh, bonjour, tout le monde. No, not everyone likes it. I don't like it at all. I hadn't even heard of it growing up. I was in my 20s the first time when I tried it. Oh, gosh. How did you get through your entire childhood without having corned beef foisted onto you at some point? Um, no, as I said, the only thing I just cannot bear the idea of is a corned beef sandwich. But that's because it, it was tinned corned beef, a slice of tinned corned beef slapped between two bits of bread it was just um you know just the texture everything felt really weird as a child that's true i'm an american mutt mixture of west african and people from the british isles you can forgive america for creating such a mature palate indeed <laughs> i i forgive america for producing a such a connoisseur of corned beef Cajun Catholic, not a food in my culture. Okay, so it hasn't spread to all four corners of the earth. Then I, I thought it had, um, I thought it had infiltrated everything. I mean, in Hong Kong, it's really popular today, apparently. Um, Cajun Catholic is saying I hadn't eaten tacos growing up either. Neither had I. Um, I, I had not come across tacos at all uh, growing up. Mexican food, um, well, just a lot of world foods just really hadn't reached Britain in the 1980s and 90s. We had, well, the sort of um, non-Indigenous food, if you like, that was very popular in Britain when I was growing up, tended to be associated with whichever immigrant group had made it to the UK. So Indian restaurants and takeaways were very, very popular, curry houses and all the rest. Chinese takeaways, again, really popular. Um Funnily enough, you didn't get um, a lot of Caribbean restaurants outside London. I, I never tasted Caribbean food until um, I went to stay with my husband's Jamaican auntie, and I loved it. Actually, I really, really loved Jamaican cuisine. Um, she gave me two recipe books, and they are very well used. Um, but it's it's more recently that we've gone sort of completely global with food, and we have a burrito loco just down the road. Uh, where you can get nachos, uh, loaded nachos and tacos and all the rest. Um, we even have sushi bars now, which didn't exist at all. I don't, I don't remember even coming across sushi growing up. It's now quite popular. So yes, we're getting more imaginative. You know, um, Dr. Torres is saying try fresh corned beef from a real Jewish deli. Try fresh corned beef on St. Paddy's Day. Ah, now, one of the things I read, I, d I didn't read the whole article out because I thought that would get a bit a bit tiresome after a while, but um, is that, in fact, Irish immigrants to the US were very fond of corned beef because it was a taste of home, but quite often bought it from Jewish butchers because it's also very popular. Kosher corned beef is, is also very popular in the Jewish community. Okay, so... In fact, you know, I'm suddenly remembering, thinking about this. I had a Jewish friend who used to take us to um, a beef a beef house, you know, where they they just served beef, and we had this massive, um, um, delicious. Like, do you know? I don't know how I'd forgot this. Really delicious, great big, almost like burgers, your huge buns, filled with corned beef and sauce. Um, and it was absolutely delicious. And he said it was very, very popular among the Jewish community. So there you are. I have, in fact, really enjoyed corned beef cooked perfectly. Um, 
Yes, Cajun Catholic making the point. Now, all things are available from the modern supermarket. It is, in fact, the modern supermarket, now you say that, that has made such a huge difference. And when I was a child, when we went back to Malta, we used to come back at the end of the holiday with bags full of uh, you know, big jars of olives and capers and passata and, I mean, all sorts of things and huge packets of um what we call them ravioli, ravioli. Um, you couldn't really get anything like that in Britain at the time. Whereas now I can go to you know, the local supermarket and get a jar of olives. Um, it was very difficult to get hold of things like that um, when I was a child. But yes, it's all available now. Um, <laughs> Doris, oh no, this is going to be funny. Um, uh, this is this is keeping up appearances. Speaking of Chinese takeaway, I remember Mrs. Bucket bouquet always getting calls from people thinking she was the Chinese takeaway and keeping up appearances. This is a private slimline white television. So this is a private slimline white telephone with no connection. Yes, that's really funny because I don't know who, which screenwriter came up with that joke of so constantly getting calls for the wrong thing. But my previous home telephone number had got muddled up with somebody else's in the phone book. And I was constantly getting calls for this woman. Um, I got to know her name quite well. I'm just not repeating it on radio. And I've no idea who she was, but she must have missed a lot of calls because they were all coming to me. Yes. Oh, dear. Hyacinth Bouquet. Yes. That's a little face from the past, isn't it? Anyway, um, it is 55 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about National Crush a Can Day. National Day of Forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? National Chocolate Milk Day, National Scarf Day, and oh, it's National Corned Beef Day. And as always, my, my show has been completely taken over by food and not even a food I intended to discuss. But there we go. Um, Louise uh, saying, it seems that these days there's a Mexican... There's a Mexican restaurant on every corner. I used to dream of visiting old Mexico, but never mind that. Mexico came here illegally. Um, Mexican food has um, become quite popular here um, in recent years. Um, I don't think there's even a particularly big Mexican community in the UK. Um, I'm not sure what the stats are, um, but it's it's become a sort of a fun food. Uh, particularly young people going for a night out, you know, go and get a burrito. Um, in fact, one of my children's teachers, according to my my child. Um, slammed his head on the desk once because they were learning about different kinds of music. And he said, right, anyone know what a rap is? And this child went, oh, isn't it like a sort of flat Mexican bread with, uh, with you know, peppers and, and meat? And, and he was like, not a burrito wrap. I meant wrap, wrap. Um, so that's how much it's infiltrated the language. And Maggie's saying we have a wonderful little Mexican joint down the street. Habaneros is the name. Yeah. Um, yes, Dr. Torres, I have that show on DVD, it's Keeping Up Appearances. Love old sitcoms. Yes, I'm introducing my children to Only Fools and Horses. Um, the cleaner episodes, shall we say, they didn't get Forty Towers at all. I tried, but Only Fools and Horses actually has them 
practically on the floor laughing. It is still, some of those old sitcoms are still really, really funny. Um, Jeffy Mann says, we used to get calls for the Happy Hollow Campground. The Happy Hollow Campground. We used to answer, we're happy but not hollow. This is not Happy Hollow Campground. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really funny. Happy Hollow camp Campground. You almost, you, the first few times you'd wonder if it was a prank. Maggie, lovely more food, lots more food. Yes, keep putting your pictures of food in. Um, anyway, I... Okay, serious conversation today. I have asked for prayers, please, for the people of Iraq after this latest tragedy of fire at a wedding. Um, 100 people confirmed dead, including the bride and groom, and quite possibly up to 400, 450 people may have may have perished. It's not yet known. Um, there were 900 guests in a packed venue when the fire started. I also wanted to draw your attention to um, a story that jumped out at me this morning about a family of homeschoolers in the US, German homeschoolers. I don't know if you've come across this. Um, oh, gosh, Maggie, you do realize I'm getting so hungry seeing all these delicious pictures. There's some wonderful. Please sign into the chat room and see these incredible pictures. Is this from Habaneros? This has got to be. It's really good. The super fresh ingredients, one of our favourite spots to eat. It's really good. Um, those are red snapper tacos. Okay. Yum, says Jeffy Mann. I completely agree. Um, but yes, there's a family of homeschoolers. Um, they, they fled Germany 10 years ago because in Germany, and this is a very nasty hangover of the Nazi period, homeschooling is completely illegal. Um, it's one of those rules. I don't know how it didn't go the way of all the other horrors um, that the Nazis legislated uh, in that period. For some reason, it is still there. Adolf Hitler did not like homeschooling either because he didn't, you know, he wanted the state to have control of children, basically. Um, but it is still that, that legacy, unfortunately, it is still illegal to homeschool your children in Germany. And there are other countries in Europe, like Austria, for example, where it is very difficult to homeschool. You know, you get fined. It's very intrusive. It's very, very difficult to homeschool your children. So um, the Romeke family, I'm really sorry if I'm saying their name wrong. Jacqueline, please, please tell me how to say this. Um, they fled to America and they've lived in the US now for more than a decade. They were granted asylum during the time of the Obama administration. They're an evangelical Christian family. Um, they have... Um, since arriving in the States, they've had two more children and they have made a permanent home in Tennessee. Suddenly, out of the blue, without just no warning at all, they were doing their normal sign in with immigration officials. Um, if you have right to remain, but you don't do not have citizenship, you quite often have to do this. You have to sign up at a, a local immigration office. They were told they had four weeks to secure passports and return to Germany. Can you imagine that? After they've made the home in the US for 10 years and they're suddenly told, just get out. No warning, no explanation. Now, their elder children, their older two children have, they're now adults, they're both married and married to US citizens and have children of their own. So they will not be caught up in this. Um, however, the parents and the younger children may well be forced back to Germany. So they have um, a hearing coming up, an immigration hearing. So please, can I ask you to pray for this family? And also, um, if you are interested in their case, 
Um, the there's a, a homeschooling legal defence association that is uh, is the HS. HSLDA are taking up their case. I'm really hoping that they will win their case. Um, it's. I feel it is a right to homeschool your children if you choose to do so. This is not an issue that I ever regarded as particularly important. I never had any intention when I had children of homeschooling my children. It was one of those famous last words things. But even before making the decision to homeschool two of my children, I did feel very strongly that it is a right. It is important that parents have the final say when it comes to how their children are educated. And not all children cope well in a school environment. We've had this conversation before. It's just common sense for there to be legal exceptions to allow parents to homeschool their children if necessary. Um, I, I can't see how um, they can enforce this law. Um, and I find it incredible that what's happening in Germany has not been deemed to be a human rights offence. Maggie, this is duck, duck tacos. OK, when I come when I come to do my big book tour, you're going to have to take me to this restaurant. OK, am I allowed to ask? Um Jacqueline, you know, we can't have productive immigrants. We only want criminals and people we can put on welfare. I mean, this is what I find so, so incredible that I find the mixed messages that they put out about immigration so difficult. This is a family who, you know, they fled to the US. They had good cause to flee their country. Um, they have integrated into their local community, you know, their older children. The fact that their older children are married to U.S. citizens, I always think is a good test. I always feel that's the point. I have, having married an Englishman myself, I always feel that when you're an immigrant in a country, that is always the test. If you If you marry locally, as it were, you are making a decision. I knew when I married an Englishman that I was asserting that Britain was very definitely my home, where I wished to spend the rest of my life, that I wished my children to be brought up British. You know, it, it's a big moment when you choose to do that. Um, so this is a family who have made every effort to integrate, to teach their children English, to make sure that they are productive, useful citizens. They are clearly very proud to uh, be part of the United States. Why on earth would you throw out a family like that who have tried so hard to integrate, who are doing good in their own way? There's, there's a beautiful photograph of the whole family. And I just, I find it just completely unjustifiable what's being done to them. I'm just hoping, really, really hoping that this is actually a mistake. I'm hoping that this is a bureaucratic mistake, that someone signed the wrong form or something like that. But what I notice in Britain, and I suspect there are similarities in the States, it always seems to me that people who try to do it properly are the ones who get punished. The asylum seekers I tried to help, they did everything by the book. You know, they applied, they, they signed all the right papers, they appeared at the immigration hearings when they were told, they signed on when they were told to sign on. Um, you know, they... In the case of the, the family who had children, their school-aged child was at the local school doing really well, completely bilingual. Um, they joined their local church community, and yet they were the ones who were not regarded as having a right to exist in the country. There are 
thousands of illegal immigrants in Britain who are completely outside of the system, um, who are just getting on with their lives and nobody's harassing them, and yet they then go after people who are actually trying to do it right. I just, I just don't, I don't understand what the UK border agency is trying to do. And seeing this story, it seems to me you have a very similar problem in the US that the, you know, the people who least deserve to be kicked out of the country are facing deportation. I, I really feel for this family. Um, yeah. Hang on. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, oh, gosh, this is, this is, this is another little food controversy brewing here. Um, hang on a second. Oh, Maggie saying, it would be my pleasure to take you there. Oh, thank you, Maggie. I desperately want to come and do, and do a book tour now. This has got to happen. Um, though I've, all the Cajun food as well. I, I promise I will, I, I want to immerse myself in the culture of Louisiana. Um, Denise um, saying HSLDA is wonderful. I'll pray for this family. It makes no sense to send them back when they were granted legal asylum and thousands of illegals get to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And they've been here 10 years. You know, they've, they've made a home for themselves. This is, oh, um, I just I don't get it. Um, Cajun Catholic. I'm not that big on Mexican food. Some of it's okay, but I really don't understand the somewhat recent popularly and uh, popularity and fascination with it. Maggie's picture to... Um, to the uh, makes my point that local fare such as red snapper is being integrated into a Mexican dish. Okay, um, I see. So this is is this sort of integrated <laughs> integrated Mexican food then? Um, what is that I'm looking at here, Maggie? Um, unlike some of the immigrants that are coming across our southern border illegally, planting their home country's flags in Texas. Um, well, Doctor, is it's the Mexican food I enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, th this is this is my my point. Exactly. I just I feel, you know, have mercy on this family. Um, and you know, I will say, by the way, you know, um, from my own experience, I think a lot of immigrants, when they come to this country, they come to a new country, are very keen to integrate, particularly the younger generation. Um, I mean, my parents were very, very keen for me to think of Britain as my home. Um, we only spoke English at home so that my English would be, you know, my first my first and strongest language. Um, you know, they, they made a lot of efforts to make sure that I felt at home in this country. Um, I, I think, ironically, identity politics is chipping away at that. Um, far from encouraging people to feel welcome, to feel at home. It's it's actually putting labels on people and pushing them away. Um, Jacqueline said, you can't control productive people. Morning, Schaefer. Jacqueline said, they think for themselves. Absolutely. This is the family. Uh, this is the picture, in fact, uh, that Maggie's put into the chat room. Look at that beautiful family. Um, Denise M saying, I think I've seen this picture before. What part of Tennessee are they living in? I don't know, um, Denise, but... Um, I'm sure it would be possible to find out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of homeschoolers will have reached out to them. But yes, they, they definitely need a lot of support just at the moment. Um, bear in mind, it will also involve, if they are forced to go back to Germany, it will involve um, the, the dividing up of the family. Because some of them, the older ones who are married, have US citizenship now. The youngest two who were born in the U.S. also have U.S. citizenship because they were born there. And so it's only part of the family who were obliged to leave. You know, it's a 
it's a really it's a really complicated situation um the the name is spelt um r o m e i k e romeka romeka is that right yeah i'm putting it into the chat room now as i speak so um maybe jacqueline can tell me how to say that um but yes there they are i'm just glad that there is some coverage of this because i think this is you know something we need to be taking completely seriously um and it should not be one of those stories that gets quietly buried finally a pregnant woman has uh, and one of these sort of online influencers has caused some division on social media by a post she has made about her pregnancy and about her relationship with her family. Um, she has said, um, she's getting very near to giving birth now, and her name is, let me just get this name right, I'm sort of a bit, uh, a bit confused as to how she says it. Taylor Arrington, she's a US TikToker, has said she will not allow family members to see her child if they are unkind to her. Um, she has, well, two million followers, so she's a pretty big influencer she has said that families have a tendency to feel a sense of entitlement when a new baby arrives she says i'm sorry if that's how you old school people grew up you do not have any entitlement over my children um, i follow a rule in my life if you aren't kind to me you don't get to have a relationship with my kids no one is entitled to my child disrespect me or his dad and you won't be around point blank period hmm and most people have been fairly supportive of the position that she's taken they said you know if just because you're related to someone if they're rude intolerant to you um talk about you behind your back put you down well why should they have access to your child um others have said well you know sometimes it's the birth of a child that makes people think about, you know, how they are treating people. Um, I completely see where she is coming from. I certainly found it difficult when I had my first baby. I did feel that there was a, a tendency to forget that relationships are complicated. Maybe that's the best way to put it. Um, you know, there was a sense of, oh, look, let, let me come and hug your baby. Let me come and uh, have a photograph with your baby or whatever. And I think, well, look, we, we barely spoke before I gave birth. What's this all about? Um, so I think it's reasonable. I suppose the only thing you could say is it does seem a little bit like using a baby as a hostage. You know, if you want to see the baby, be nice to me. I don't know. It can be taken two ways. Cajun Catholic in the chat room is saying, speaking of food, though I don't like corned beef, one of my favourite comes from England, and that's a cobbler. Oh, I do love a cobbler. I particularly love a cherry cobbler. It was one of the first puddings I learnt how to make. I learnt even how to make a slow cooker or a crockpot cook, um, cooked 
cherry cobbler and yes it is one of my favorites talk about comfort food it is really really delicious so i'm glad you like a nice cobbler cajun catholic even if you don't like corned beef i wonder if you could make corned beef in a slow cooker i'm sure you could um uh, louise says i love blackberry cobbler yeah i love blackberries i love harvesting them i love the feeling that nature is giving me this beautiful bounty um i like making blackberry crumble blackberry cobbler blackberry cheesecake blackberry biscuits you can you can make bright purple blackberry biscuits or cookies if you like um it's they look spectacular um, my children aren't quite so keen they're getting less and less keen oh um Denise Emma is saying the family are in East Tennessee, um, oh, where I am, but could still be an hour or so away. Town was not named in any article. Right, they, they might not be so far from you, Denise. You never know. Um, I mean, I, I really hope they do get some help. Um, Philip is saying warm cobbler with vanilla ice cream in the fall is so good. Yes, well, my favourite um, side dish to a pudding is custard. I'm, I have this feeling custard isn't quite such a big thing in the US, but you know, apple pie and custard, apple crumble and custard, cobbler and custard, um, and proper freshly made custard with a little drop of Baileys in is just perfect. I'm just thinking before we go to cross talk about this family. Um, when I was trying to help um, asylum seekers, there was an organisation which could help you to um, to start a campaign. Um, it was, um, you know, you could actually, you know, write, writing to your your local representative, like you know, to your MP or what, whatever the equivalent is, um, and things like that. You know, it might be that there are things like that that you could potentially do. Mike, do you like custard? I do not like custard. It's wonderful. Well, it depends on who makes it. And how it's made. I have when, only ever made good custard, well, I assure you. you. Now, when you say custard, uh, define custard. Is it, are you talking the, about pudding? Define custard. The only definition there is of custard. Well, Yellow, there are creamy. Okay. Uh, there are people hot. that have figured out how to make it without eggs. How can you make custard without eggs? Ask the weirdos that have figured out how to make it and synthesize the egg portion of it. I, I like egg custard. Yes. I wasn't aware there was any other kind of custard. Oh, they've got all kind of... <laughs> you don't want to know, dude. Don't even ask. But right. let me ask you a question about corned beef. Corned yeah. beef... Um, okay, so corned beef uh, takes weeks to properly prepare. Right. Weeks. Where does it get the name corned from? Let's see if Torres knows this one. You know, Dr. Torres grain, knows most It's grains things. of salt. No. It's grains of salt. No. Now, yes. it gets it from peppercorns. You corn it by putting salt, a brine, and peppercorns. That's corning. So it could take up to two, uh, two weeks, but you could leave it in your brine for a month, and it won't hurt it. Um, and then you want to cook it really slow. You know, corned beef is just the, it's the, it's the more tender of the two, of the ends of what uh, the cut of beef we call brisket. Right. So that's what the uh, what the corned beef is. Actually, you know, there if you can buy that pre-corned in almost any supermarket in the US, can you buy pre-corned beef? 
Uh, I never have. I've only ever seen this in a tin. Yeah, it comes in a little. It, com it comes in a package, and it uh, it'll have it'll be in its own brine, and inside will be a little pla uh, a little plastic shrink wrapped packet that will have the herbs and the peppercorns that they recommend that you put on the uh, top of it to bake it. Mike, quick question: Why do you in the U.S. say herbs, not herbs? Because uh, herb is a guy and a herb is what you put on food. <laughs> what? <laughs> a herb is a what? A herb. As in, yeah. yes, yes. Herbert Hoover. Herb, right? No. Yes. It's a, it's a proper name, Herbert, isn't it? Yes, but it's Herbert, not Herb. No, there are a lot of people that shorten uh, their names to something shorter uh, to, to make their name a four-letter word. <laughs> so you, call, you take Herbert and turn it into Herb. So on those grounds, you can't pronounce the H at the beginning of Herb? I have never heard anyone say, I have a Herb garden. Seriously? Seriously! I sing, the song, I sing the song to Maggie. She should put the picture in the chat room because I actually made her a brand new uh, uh, herb garden planter so that she doesn't have to bend over and tend to the herbs anymore. But I And I even sang the song to her. I said, I never promised you a herb, a herb garden. It's herb. It's herb. It's not herb. It's, it's herb. It has a her on it. <laughs> you, there are lots of words where the H is silent. You don't need, uh, Not that many, actually. And it's still rega it's regarded as quite pretentious over here when you do that. When people say an historic occasion and things like that. It's historic. We're not French. I think I agree with Mike Parrott on this. You, you keep your English pronunciations and culture and we'll keep ours. Aluminium. <laughs> it's not aluminium. <laughs> aluminium. It's aluminum. Aluminium. There's an I. <laughs> I've never heard it called aluminium. Well, you have now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I learned something today. I learned new pronunciation. Look at that beautiful herb planter that I made. <sighs> Do you see the herb planter? That is an herb planter. That there is an herb planter, Clark. Herb. <laughs> I have never. So you fill that thing with dirt. It has a screen so the water can drain through, and uh, you don't have to bend over to tend to your herbs. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend a whole day pronouncing it herb. Thank you. Yes, it's a herb planter. Yeah, like like you know like um, Eliza Doolittle in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Herbs hardly ever happen. Yeah, the uh, I agree with Louise. In, in, in Celtic areas of Britain, the H is silent. Same for uh, London Eastenders. It's, it's regarded as it's regarded as lower class. Oh, if so you, if you drop if you drop your H's, so uh, we get the Latin translation of uh, the Septuagint, for example, in the Bible, um, and we get it in what? What's, what, what what version of Latin is that? Hey? The Vulgate. Yes. Yes, because it's no, 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 no. Just, there's no justification for speaking <laughs> English badly. I know where this is going. <laughs> it's vulgar, which means it's common, right? You know what it means? It's got. It's a very different meaning of the word common. 
So the, how, how is it that you launch into these subjects of food every day? You, 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 I did. I did not start the conversation you, about <laughs> corned beef. I don't even know how that happened. I was going to talk about something completely different. Okay, what is your favorite herb? <laughs> I have a number of favorite herbs. Okay, what is your favorite herb? Well, I grow rosemary oh, and yes. parsley and mint in my herb garden. Now, uh, mint <laughs> mint is almost impossible to kill. I did once. It's it's hard to kill a mint plant. If you killed a mint plant, you need to quit gardening. Well, that's what my friend said. Said you know it's actually quite an art form. <laughs> yeah, because mint grows wild, and once it because mm. it, it it creeps like a vine. Yep. I, I still managed to, apparently I cut through the main stem. So my favorite herb is, I have two. I'll either take rosemary, I'm with you, or rosemary. Now, there is an A in Mary. I say Mary, mother of God, but you say rosemary. Where's yes. the A? It's in there somewhere. Oh, no, it isn't. You made it silent, just like herb. You um, silented the A. You silented the A. Well, funnily enough, um, no, rosemary is always rosemary here. Yeah. Um, um, but I have a friend in Malta who, who has that name, and she's Rosemary because the Mary bit is more important. Yes, yes. So it's, it's so in the name, it's it's um, emphasised. But you more. know what? In English, in the English, um, I guess that uh, it's not an accent. In the colloquial pronunciations. Um, there's some very formal uh, pronunciations that make you sound British. For example, if you say, young man, are you going to enlist in the military? Yes. You drop the A. Enlist in which A? Military, but you're going uh, yes, to enlist in the military. Yeah. Right, in we the say military. military, but we wouldn't say enlist in the military. You'd say in the army. Okay, enlist in the army. Are you in the military? No, we say you know, this is what we, you you don't tend to use military in quite the same way. Um, you say, "Are you in the army?" or possibly, "Are you in the forces?" Or, or, or are if we going to call? Sure. Out, are we going to call out the military? We still say the army. Um, what use do you, you have for know, military then? But if you don't know, well, you talk about you know a military campaign or something or a military vehicle. Um, some people would say the military now just because it's easier, but. Um, it's if you're not sure what force, if you're the army, air force, or navy, you'd say, "Are you in the forces?" Okay, it's a very uh, funny uh, kind of a, uh, uh, use or misuse of language in a very uh, 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 a movie that you would never watch. It's called Inglorious Bastards. But the English, uh, the American actor Brad Pitt, it has to go on a mission in France, and they're trying to teach him to, to just to say some general French expressions, and, mm -hmm. and he can't say any of them. So his his answer to everything that the that the Nazis who have taken over this French theater, his answer to them, and no matter what they ask him, is bonjour. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, oh, is that a Tarantino? It is in Tarantino. But, yeah. but Pitt's very funny in it. Uh, bonjourne. Every, the answer to everything is bonjourne. 
So, you often think it's, that's the sort of stereotype of the American. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's a. It, it, it's an interesting. It's an interesting film. Um, Christoph Waltz is in it, and I don't know if he's a natural. I think I want to say he's Austrian. So I think he speaks French naturally. Austrians can speak French and German, right? Or is that the Swiss? That's the Swiss. That's the Swiss. So Austrians speak Austrian. Austrians speak German. Oh, they speak German. Okay, I think they can speak French too, because Christoph Waltz is in that film, and he speaks a fluent French. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I don't know that, that maybe he learned French um, as a child, but he speaks a fluent French, and it's um, it's really amazing. And then he'll just drop right back into German. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, that, that to me is a skill. People that can speak yeah. a multiple language. Now, I'm still yeah. working on American. <laughs> What's? Are you learning French? I'm just. What is this? We. British, yes, British. Um, this shape is British. British drop H's sometimes too. Yes, but it's not. It's not regarded as a. It's not uh, regarded as nice. We je tudie We je tudie parle français. Okay. So I'm there getting. In. I'm getting in. I'm 52 you days are? in. I'm on a streak. Yeah. Yes. You're on a streak. Oh, great. Well, for, look me up on. Um, Look me up on Duo, okay? Are you on Duo? I am, yes. Okay, are you, are, you're learning Spanish? What are you learning? Well, I was learning Arabic, but it's oh. been my my Duo account has been taken over by my children. <laughs> how my son is learning Japanese. How difficult is Arabic? Well, I don't. Act, I mean, it is a difficult language because you have to learn the new the new script. Um, it's quite exciting when you see the script and suddenly realise you can read the words. Um, but I don't find the pronunciation very difficult because, of course, the Maltese language is a Semitic language and there's quite a lot of similarity in terms of the sounds. So um, there's a new Walking Dead um, spinoff called Daryl Dixon. And they, they shot the scenes. Uh, they're shooting it. They shot it in France. But I'm convinced if you watch the first episode that at least one of the monasteries or one of the um, former monasteries that they filmed it in because it's on a coast, that it has to be in Malta, that they had to have gone to Malta to, to, to film it because it looks like St. Elmo, Elmo to me. It might be. They do a lot of filming in Malta because they have tax breaks. Because yeah, the first thing I thought when I saw it was like, there's no fort that remains on the coast of, uh, southern coast of France in Marseille that I know of that looks like that. But there is one in Malta. It might be. So what did you say the name of the film was? It's a, the, it's a TV show on AMC, The Walking Dead. It's, called, it's a spinoff from the original called Daryl Dixon. Right, I'll, I'll look it up then, just just to see the whether it is that one. Um, a lot of uh, Midnight Express, um, well, Gladiator, Troy, they were all filmed in Malta. Uh, the original Brideshead Revisited. Uh, it's because the the country looks a bit like the Middle East, but it isn't. Yeah, it's interesting that the Passion of Christ. If you watch the special features of Mel Gibson's film. That the uh, the village uh, that they filmed, uh, Jim Caviezel carrying uh, the going the way of the cross uh, uh, mm -hmm. via was a via Dolorosa, um, mm -hmm. is actually an Italian an Italian Italian village in Genoa. Uh huh. Because it had the yeah. right terrain; it was hilly. Yes. So uh, interesting how they find uh, these uh, these these locations to make you think. 
<laughs> it's uh, oh, just, I think location scouts. It's it's quite an important would, job, really. Be, I think that would be quite fun, don't you? Oh, I think so. I think yeah. so. So, what is your okay? So, when is this book tour coming up here? When are you coming to the? When are you coming to, like Eddie Murphy to America? Oh, I don't know. You'll have to you have to pester um, Ignatius Press about that. I so if lots of people buy my books, maybe it'll uh, maybe it'll be an encouragement. No there is a, there's a new book out by W.H.W. W. Crocker called Triumph. It's about a thousand pages wide. It's been put out by Regnery Press uh, in association with Steinman und Schuster. And Ooh. I just got my preview. I got back on the, the mailing list for the big publishers. Um, it took actually it took a little bit of work, but I'm back on Simon and Schuster's uh, certain uh, certain of their of their publications and and Regnery's list, and I just got it in the in the uh, I just got it in the mail Saturday. Okay. Haven't had a chance to go through it, but it looks really really interesting. Okay, might be something for the Fiorella files. Might be. Might yes. Be. Well, send me send me the link, and I will have a look. Nice. I, I I most certainly will. And tomorrow, our South Africans are with us tomorrow. Indeed. And we will see them for that. And then we will see you for Free Farm Herb Garden Friendly Friday. Indeed. <laughs> yes, I'll be talking about herbs right. and aluminium cans and rosemary. Yeah. Okay. It's half past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at CrusadeChannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary as well at CrusadeChannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Herbs. Herbs.